Hello and welcome to Farmland. I'm joined by Edgar Garcia Manzanilla, Head of Pig Development with Chagas, to discuss an interesting research project he and his colleagues are undertaking into pig development. By studying milk, faeces and saliva, Chagas researchers, along with researchers at the University of Lyon and the University of Mercia, are gaining a better understanding of piglets without even touching them. The first thing probably that we want to know is that a, a piglet when it's born is like around 1 kilo, 1.2 kilos and, and the mother is close to 300 kilos and there is around 20 of them born in, in average so it's, it's a lot of, of uh, difference with the mother and they have to catch up with that big animal so the growth is, is very fast. So normally the piglets will be with the mother around 10-12 weeks and in the commercial situation they are around at the moment 4 weeks. So that, that creates a, a difference with the natural period and, and the commercial period. They, they do quite well to the point that now, if, if you allow them to be for more than four weeks with the sow, they will take so much milk that maybe the sow cannot take it. So it, it's kind of a, a, an ideal situation there. So what, what we work with in, in that sense is to try to, to bring the animal to the best they can at that stage. And then from there, they go by themselves quite well. One of the things that you and your, your fellow researchers are looking at are, I suppose, the stress levels in piglets. What impact does stress have on a piglet? Piglets are actually animals that, uh, if, you, if you have been ever around a pig, the first thing that they do when you touch them is a scream. They, they are very curious and in one minute they will approach you to see what you are doing there and everything, but they don't like to be, let's say, approaching the wrong way. So these animals, because they scream and they get super excited when you try to do something to them, they go into an, an state of a physiological state that is beyond something that will be normal in other, in other animals. So it is, it is much more affecting them much more than, than other animals. For example, uh, one of the things that I put in the article, which, which started me this kind of thinking, is that once I, I brought a sample of blood to one of the guys in the, in the hospital in, in, when I was in Spain, they told me, this is from a dead animal, isn't it? I said, no, this animal is still alive on the farm. And he said, well, this sample of blood will be from a dead animal in any other case because it seems like they don't have oxygen in the blood, so it's, they, they should be dead. So that, that kind of levels of stress is where they, where they get. That's why we, we try to work with non-stressing methods. So there was obviously a lot of CO2 in that piglet's blood that normally in another animal as you said like the researcher in the lab would have said another animal would be dead without that la i suppose the lack of oxygen um, and the levels were so high just from are you presuming from the stress of being touched to get the blood sample yeah yeah that the, the, you can actually see it in the piglet like now most of the people are familiar with this because if you, because of covid everybody knows that when you are missing the oxygen in the blood you have problems and in a human 92% of oxygen below that will be a, a problem for them uh, these animals, when, when you are handling them, sometimes they become blue because they, they, they have so little oxygen and, and they go well below 80%, which when you compare it to 92 in a human, it's a huge uh, amount of CO2 or, or lack of O2 in the, in the blood. So it is a, a, a totally very, very stressed state compared with any other situation with, for example, a sheep that you, you manage sheep and they don't, they don't really care much. So. I don't know if a lot of people knew that, that piglets can get so stressed um, to those levels. With regard to milk and colostrum, that's something that you're looking at as part of the research. What sort of information do you know about that? 
Uh, well, we, we thought that the, the calostro and the milk was something that was somehow, let's say, programmed to be in a, in a particular way, but not to the extent to what it actually happens. Because, for example, uh, with the research that, that APEO made, the research that the Saiten paper is doing, we have seen that the, the change from calostrum to milk, calostrum is the, the milk that they will be drinking the first 48, 24 hours. But then it changes the, the profile of, of or the composition of the calostrum to the milk changes in a, in a very well-defined way to the point that it, it looks like if you were doing it in a lab. So the, the sow is doing something there to manage the piglets in a very particular way and bring them to where, where they have to go. So if we went to do or simulate the same process, we actually have to, to do it in a very particular way. For example, using milk from a cow, that's a, a completely different milk. Even when they are milk, they are completely different. So you have to bring the animal in a different way than, than they are programmed to do. So. And are you doing this within your research then, to, as you said, simulate this, what, that what they would get from the sow in a shorter period of time? Yes, uh, we actually have, not, not from a research, but we have a, a system from another researcher that is for supplementary milk and we can change the milk that they receive and all that. The research that we are doing in this project at the moment is more, let's say, experimental. So we, we are changing the, the milk to a level that is, is uh, very lab-based, let's say. It's not really what will happen in commercial units. But, but the small changes that you can do, for example, the milk in pigs is super high in fat if you compare it to uh, uh, milk from or milk from a cow. So those those big changes that are there, like the difference in fat and all that, are already a, uh, changes that benefit the piglet. So in the future, I think we will go to very defined changes. But at the moment, there are big changes that you can do, and the piglet uh, becomes much better of, a, of an animal in the development. So. Mm, that's very interesting. I know that one element of your research as well also looks at the gut health of pigs. Now there's a lot of research at the moment certainly into the gut health of humans um, it's, it's very topical at the moment. How important is the gut health of pigs and what have you learned? Yes well we in that process we are putting the piglet uh, to, a, to a up to a challenge. It will be, actually in, in Ireland, Ireland is a big producer of baby formulas and piglets are actually the best mother for humans. So you put piglets in a situation that is very challenging and whatever the piglet goes through, it's a very good model for humans. To the point that in Chagas, we just opened a biotest facility to test that, to use the pig, the pigs that we have in our farm. Some of them go into testing food for humans. So that, that challenge that we are doing with the gut health is very similar, as you say, all this research that is going for humans, it's happening also in piglets. And the, ol the only thing that you have to bear in mind is that sometimes some of the economic efforts that we do to improve the feet of the piglet, it's it, it some of a moral, let's say, question because that, that, that milk, if it is a very good quality milk, it could go to humans, so it wouldn't be right to, to, to keep piglets. But the level of, of uh, research and the level of challenge for the gut health of the animal is very similar to the, to the human, especially babies. So it's, it's kind of very similar, all this probiotic research. The, in, in a piglet, for example, the fact that we separate the piglet from the sow and then they don't get milk, it kind of, let's say, destroys the, the gut for a while. So you have to rebuild the, the gut and restructure the microbial populations in a certain way. So that's what happens in many diseases in humans, that they lose the epithelium of the, of the intestine and they have to rebuild all these bacterial populations, which is very, also very well programmed. Like we, what we are learning now with the new methods that we have is that those 
populations are very well regulated and the animal knows what, what should be there and what I shouldn't. So it's, it's, it's something learning about the animal and helping the animal to develop what they need. I suppose that is the point of it really, to help the animal. I mean, utilising information like this, what you learn about the gut health of piglets and how that, that can be managed, I suppose, in a way that gets them to the developmental point that you want them to be at, yeah. at a certain period. I suppose that is probably um, an important factor of looking at research such as that into the gut. Yes, that's, that's the, the idea. And at the same time, uh, the, the process here is to do it in a way that, like, many, many times we focus too much, when we say about the gut health, we focus too much on the, on the gut itself, and particularly the intestine. But the animal, the, but the, at some point we can understand the piglet as a tube. So we have to, to try to, to use that tube to improve the animal, but we cannot forget that there is an animal there, that there is something around the gut. So it is important also for, for us in that development to understand the rest of the animal. And that's where you enter with all this method that we are developing now to try to understand the, what is going on in the gut, but also in the animal. Uh, and we are seeing that the rest of the animal responds in a very particular way, as does the intestine. So we are using this method, for example, the ones that I say there, for example, saliva, is understanding through the gut because the, the mouth of the animal, as the rest of the intestine, is very well programmed and, and does particular functions and, and responds to particular uh, challenges. So the, the, the mouth of the animal is, uh, is the first point of contact. So that's part of the gut health of the, of the animal. As that's where, where we are trying to understand how those places where we can take samples are actually showing you what is going on with the gut health and with the animal itself. So, Yeah, you mentioned the sort of testing of saliva there, which can tell you a lot, I'm assuming, about, about the piglet, but yet it's non-invasive really, well, as non-invasive as, as you can get when you are trying to monitor the health of an animal. Hmm. Yes, actually I brought this uh, for you to have an idea. This is the, like an, pigs are, are animals that are by nature, and we are taking advantage of this, very curious. So you will give them a, a concrete wall and they will chew on it. So that's, that's what they do. They sample all the environment. They go into a room and they chew everything. So we take advantage of that. And for example, what we are using, the first thing is these ropes, for example, we give them to them and they love this. This is like a toy for them. So they just bite on this for one, two minutes and then we squeeze this and we get the saliva. Okay, if you, that's for a group of pigs, so you have 20 pigs in a pen and they will... Piglets they will, as well. Like piglets, pig, pig, whatever, yeah, even the sows, the sows do it. And then if you want an individual, for example, it's as simple as this, this is a sponge, or like any, anybody will have a sponge like this at home. So you give it to them and in two minutes they chew it and then you have the perfect sample here. And they actually enjoy this because it's a game for them. So it's a very big difference between having to immobilize an animal that is screaming and, and getting into a stress that changes completely the physiology and giving this to an animal and, and getting them to chew this and then you just, with a glove, you do like this and you get all the samples. So it's, it's a very different process and this doesn't affect the animal at all. The other one is going into a level of stress that, that changes everything. Especially for things that change very fast, like cortisol, for example, is a stress molecule that, that goes up very fast. So in, in two minutes you can have cortisol from normal levels to ten, ten times the level of, of normality. So That's incredible. It is very like human, I suppose, makeup in the sense that if a human is stressed, we produce cortisol or adrenaline. Um, obviously, piglets to a greater extent, probably relative to, to their size and, and to their developmental age. 
the research that you're doing about these non-invasive methods of monitoring pig development, overall, how long will the project take or how long has it been in situ so far? Uh, the project in itself is uh, three years. We are one year into the project. And it, compared to other projects, it's a project that should be very fast into practical use. So the guys that are doing the analysis, which are in, in Spain, are already working in methods that uh, allow this to be implemented in a farm. The idea here, and that's what makes the difference, is that normally for this kind of analysis, you would call a veterinarian to go into your farm, collect the blood from the animal, and then do the analysis somewhere else. What we are aiming for here is to give these things to the farmer, and the farmer can do any time that he wants. Like there is a batch of pigs going through the farm every week. So they could every week take one of these sponges, put some, some, some of the saliva in a kit that we give them, and then they test how well or bad are those animals. So the repercussion for this, for example, is many of the animals, you don't even know if they're going to be sick or not. With this kind of methods, you can predict it. And so you can avoid, for example, when you have to do a treatment just in case for them to have diarrhea or something like that, you just know with this. So you say, okay, these animals are sensitive to whatever is in the environment, so we have to treat them uh, in two days or whatever. So it will target much more the treatments and the interventions so that you can actually decrease the use of antibiotics and increase the welfare of the animals because you take care of them in advance of the problem happening. Absolutely. It also you know, just at a very fundamental level, it's cutting out the cost of a vet being on the farm as well for the farmer. So it's of benefit to the farmer, it's of benefit to the farm, it's of benefit to the piglets. And essentially doing research like this, Edgar, what would be the ultimate goal? I suppose it's, would you say, to improve animal health and obviously then the, the, the final outcome, I suppose, at the end of, of what is a supply chain, really, if it's a commercial pig farm. Yes, it goes like when, when you are decreasing those treatments or, or preventing the disease from happening, it goes into a, an animal that grows better, that the, the quality of the life of the animal and the product is, is better, obviously. And you, you are safeguarding, uh, to some extent, the, the public health because all those antibiotics that are used in the animal, and we use less and less, but still you need some of them, uh, they they can create uh, antimicrobial resistance, which is one of the biggest concerns now in, in the world. And by reducing the treatments or by controlling the treatments, you, you directly de decrease those uh, antimicrobial resistance that are in the environment. So it is a benefit beyond the animal itself that the product and the animal are, are better, but you, you affect the, it goes a little bit into this concept of one health that everybody is, is talking about now that is uh, the environment is better, the, the animal is better, and then the the life for people is, is better. So everything is, is benefited from something that you do in a very in a very restricted environment, which is the piglet. So. Well, it's all very interesting, Edgar. Thank you very much for, for joining us. We'd be very interested to hear of the, the final findings from the project when it concludes, but certainly some very interesting findings already. Thank you for joining us on Farmland. Thank you very much. That's all from Farmland for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to stay up to date with all the latest agricultural news on agriland.ie. You can also listen to the Farmland podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 